is Free Talk Live, where you're invited to call in, take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And coming up tonight, we're going to be talking about stuff going on here in New Hampshire. Apparently, state police are using traffic stops in order to, like, really, and this is not new, uh, a new phenomenon. They're using traffic stops as a way of harassing people about marijuana and things like that. But this time, they're actually pulling people over for doing things like driving the speed limit and other nonsense like that. Of course, in other police brutal in other police corruption news there's the boston police union chief who has been convicted i think on 21 if i remember correctly 21 counts of child rape oh. he's evidently been sentenced i think the sentence was something like 13 years in prison the the sentence isn't nearly as bad as you would expect it to be actually i i was thinking that sounds better than i would expect it to be because usually somebody like a police officer who rapes thousands of kids or whatever gets a slap on the wrist that's that's a scary and good point also coming up the supply disruptions that we've seen i've i've been seeing this a lot um the, the store that i visit almost every single day that they they have a really hard time getting anything in. And th- it's not just them. When I I had to go to Walmart today, and I don't remember exactly what it was I was looking for, at, but they didn't have any of it. Mm. And it's it's shocking to see so many empty shelves and not a whole lot being said about it. But evidently, part of that could be because you said, I think, 10,000 drivers have tested been tested for marijuana and taken off the streets as a result, which is only making the supply chain disruption worse. Yeah, just this year, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Now, here on Free Talk Live, we, we've been fairly consistent over the last several years, I, I like to think. And among those things we've been consistent about, in addition to warning people about how inflation was going to create all of the issues that we're seeing now, as far as I'm aware, every single co-host here on the show mocked the way that NFTs were handled over the last two years. NFT stands for non-fungible token. Yes. And there, there is certainly some value in the idea of having an immutable record of ownership, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's what the NFT was supposed to be. If you had a tract of land or whatever, you would have this certificate on the blockchain proving that it was your piece of land and no one could take that from you. Technically, all of the Bitcoins are non-fungible tokens, but that's getting a little, I think, on you know, maybe out into the weeds. They're all identifiable. You can follow that's them true. Uh, from owner to owner over over time. But so the these, NF- these are different. Uh, these are a little bit different because... How's a Bitcoin a token? You can call it whatever you want. You can call it a coin. You can call it a token. It's a digital representation of its information, basically, that... Uh, that you know exists on a ledger, and that ledger is called the blockchain. What makes the uh, the current NFT craze different is they've taken these non fungible tokens, which are normally just boring technology, right? Just normally 
boring uh i mean it was boring still yeah ledger ledger (laughs) items that's what we're talking about we're talking about things that exist on a ledger in this case uh it was started with ethereum which is the number two crypto and and then it's moved to other cryptos since then uh, we can really explain how boring this really is instead of saying you know we're talking about stuff written down in a ledger we're we're talking about accounting here we're talking about the stuff that accountants write down and track but what they did was they connected that accounting that ledger item to a piece of artwork Yes. That is hosted on a web server somewhere on the internet. And they said that if you buy this token, you will be the owner, quote unquote, of this piece of artwork. It will be yours. You will be the one, the exclusive one with the rights to use this piece of artwork however you want to. You can put it on your profile, on social media. You can resell it in theory and make more money than you paid for it. That was certainly a huge part of it, right? There was supposedly so much money in the NFT craze, and man, was it a craze. One of the it worst really that I've ever seen. I mean, it it easily beat the ICO bubble of 2016, 2017, where we saw just constantly Initial ICOs. coin offerings. Yes. They came out in about you know five, four or five years ago, just like NFTs did this year. They got they were all the rage and then they died because it turned out so many of them were actually bad ideas. Well, some of them. I think it's a bad idea to want to own digital art unless you have some really good reason for it. Like if you had your own website where you displayed it. I mean, that's not even a good reason in my opinion, but that could be a good reason for someone else. Most people are just like, I own this, and what is the point? I don't know that it's possible to own a digital copy of anything. You know. Well, they claim that you're owning the own the one true thing. You can you can copy the thing endlessly, and that's the benefit of digital technology. Is you know, for those of us that grew up in the '80s and the '90s, uh, we had cassettes, you know, VHS and audio cassette tapes, and when you recorded a song off the radio. You, you lost you know, quality. There was a little bit of a quality loss. I mean, and then if you recorded a song off of that recording, like if you copied that tape onto another tape, you lost quality again. Mm-hmm. So the more times you copied the thing, you would you would lose quality generation after generation until finally yes. it would just be this inaudible mess. That Digital technology doesn't have that problem, although there is compression and you do lose quality from compression, but there's ways to copy things without compressing them right and that's a separate issue yeah and you can make a one-to-one perfect copy with digital technology and so therefore anyone who wants to copy an nft of artwork at least can easily do that of course that's been the main objection to art-based nfts is well why can't i just hit right click uh save as and then have a copy of that but you can but the amazing thing is they they part they pointed out that this this unique ownership thing about the nft it it was designed to be a counter to the reality that digital artwork can easily be copied and pasted who would have thought that that would counter anything like that apparently some of these people did i let's get into the article i have here about it because they asked a bunch of people uh, unitednewspost.com. They asked a bunch of people who got into the NFT craze whether or not they were happy with how all of this turned out. For years, Nate Hart admired a drawing of a cat. Let's For I, years. I, yes. <laughs> I just love how the article started with that. I think NFTs have technically been around longer than the craze itself. I, I think the craze is roughly two years old. It's hard to pinpoint exactly when it started. Mm. But NFTs as a concept would go all the way back to like CryptoKitties, right? At least. Which would be 2017 or 2018. 
It was gray with unusually large eyes and pictured on a shattered smoldering tablet. And of course, the article here has a copy of this that is identical to the NFT that this guy purchased. So last September, when the owner signaled they were willing to sell, Hart swooped in and offered a hefty sum, $600,000. Oh my goodness. I just don't understand. <laughs> when hey, I can just click, I can right click and do save image as, and then it's mine. I think I could do something even better. I could just print it out. That, and you then could. you have a physical copy yeah. that is absolutely you yours. Yeah, And you can admire it for years, wherever you want, without your computer screen. The price didn't phase him because of a special detail. The cartoon, part of a collection of cat images called Crypto Kitties, is oh. a non-fungible token or NFT. NFTs. That's why the price didn't phase him. Yeah. I, well, it was a Crypto Kitty, and that that right. was a big deal back so in. So he'd been watching this crypto, this particular Crypto Kitty, for years. Dude, that's kind of sad, dude. Finally, had enough uh, crypto earnings to where he was able to buy the thing. You would think at some point in those years, someone would be like, hey, man, you know, you can just right click save as, right? And yeah, then- of course he knew that. There's something to this. It's, you know, the, the pride of being the original, the pride of being the one who has the real McCoy. And, right? and maybe he also thought he could hold on to it and sell it one day himself and get even more money. I bet he did. He may very well have, but I mean, there, there's nothing unique about. I, I could be the first person to slap myself in the face while balancing a, a, a jug of tea on my head, and that wouldn't be particularly noteworthy, right? Just this is, it would be unique, and I'd be the only person in the universe who had done it, well, but okay. it wouldn't be worth paying $600,000 for. I get what you're for. saying there, but let's look at uh, fine art collection, okay? Because that's ultimately what these people are, believe that they're in, into. No, yeah. fine art collection is money laundering. Well, maybe it is, but let's look at uh, the Mona Lisa, right? This classic painting of whoever the hell painted it. Uh, very, very popular painting. Leonardo da Vinci. Da Vinci. You can get, you can get copies of that painting for yes. much cheaper than the original. And let's talk a little bit more about that coming up. So, why is the Mona Lisa like an NFT? It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to call in, take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that's 603-283-6160. With you tonight is Bonnie, Aria, and Ian. And Bitcoin.com is the best source for learning about cryptocurrency. You can go there now and click Get Started at the top of the page. And once you do that, you can find all sorts of information neatly organized to suit your needs. You can dig as deep into Bitcoin technology, blockchain technology, as you want. Or you can just keep a surface-level understanding. But if you're going to get into cryptocurrency, you should know something about it. Don't be one of these people who, you know, I want to get into NFTs, but I don't know anything about them. And then it leads, it ends badly for a lot of people. So learn about cryptocurrency before you get into it. And of course, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, they're not NFTs. They, NFTs are blockchain-based technologies, but I, I don't mean to confuse the two things. So head on, if you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, Bitcoin.com is the best place to get started learning about it. And if you already know about it, check out their news site at news.bitcoin.com to stay up to date on all of the news and headlines relevant to you. That's news.bitcoin.com. Let's go to the phones. We have Herbert on the line from Florida. Herbert, you're on Free Talk Live. Well, good afternoon from sunny Florida. How are you? 
I'm good. What's on your mind tonight? Good afternoon from sunny New Hampshire. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I am trying to uh, literally get my story into the public forum. Uh, people can Google me. Uh, I'm a book author, and I signed a contract with uh, Jeff Bezos's Amazon and also with Barnes & Noble about 49 months ago. Uh, I published a book, and I wrote the book that Silicon Valley never wanted to get out there, and I actually received an uh, email from Bill Gates himself. What is uh, the name of this book? The name of the book is, it's, it's a long title. It's got 20 words in it because I had a lot to say. All right. Okay. But the title, the title of the book is called Literary Documentation, Book One, Stuck on the Outside, My Personal Quest, Become an Integral Part of the American Dream by Herbert Eric Stevens with a Ph. I'm telling you, Google me. The book is now being taught at colleges and universities all over the world. It was a print-on-demand book, which would mean that you would purchase a copy, then they would order it from the printer, the ink would have to dry, they packed it, you'd get it in seven days, right? That book is in every warehouse that Amazon has on the face of the earth. Uh, with Prime, they have guaranteed getting it in people's doors as early as six hours from the time they order it. And um, only thing I can tell you is the book has been out for 49 months and I have not received any book royalties whatsoever. I have been trying for four years to get legal representation and no one will seem to go up against Mr. Bezos at Amazon. And uh, he went over and inked a deal with Barnes and Noble. So Barnes and Noble is not paying me either. You can Google me. Wow. You can Google the book. Okay, this is totally 100% real. I am due I'm curious. Uh, you went through Amazon yeah. to publish this, right? You know, like Amazon self-publishing? Yeah, Amazon self-publishing. And you sign a contract with them. Mm -hmm. But I made certain that I had a middleman. So I went to Barcode Graphics out of Chicago, who specializes in uploading the books to Amazon and Barnes and Noble, thus they are the middle person with the keep, which are the keepers of the contract. So, is so, it possible they, they screwed you? They did. No, I, no, I, dude, no, I, no, dude, no, I literally no. have books sell, that are on Amazon that that are um, uh, print to order or order to print. I don't remember what the terminology is, but yeah, print on demand. Uh, print on demand. They're, they're exactly the same. They're not nearly as expensive, but. I've got my royalty payments just fine, man. Did you do it directly? I did it directly. Yeah, you, have, you, you have gotten your royalty payments, right? Yeah. Here's the question. Do you know if they're right? How do you know? Because they provide you with those statistics that you can go and see yourself. No, I have no way of knowing whether or not Amazon is lying to me about how yeah, many you gotta people. Yeah, you've got to trust their statistics. Yeah, my point. There you go. Now, I can go to my dashboard. But, that, that, and do but the statistics thing. are irrelevant if you're saying you've received no Zero. royalty payments whatsoever. That's correct. Right. So you see sales when you go to the dashboard. You see that you've sold some number of books. Well, you don't have access to the dashboard, do you, Herbert? Do, do. This third yeah, party I do does. Have access. I do have access. No, I have access to the dashboard. Okay. And it literally, and it literally shows no sales, right? Now, oh. you're, in studio right, you're in studio right now, okay? Go to Amazon and go to the search box. I'll tell you what to put in and you'll see my book. I see the book. Not I've got it pulled up right here. Okay, now, over on the left, you see where you see the little three lines that you can click on? Click on that, 
and the menu will download. Go to books and click on books and then click on Kindle or Kindle Unlimited. I'm going to show you something. Yeah, why, why are we doing looking, all of this? What are we looking for? Because you're going to find out that my book is ranked number one out of at least like 10,000 books, okay? Yet, in, in the algorithm, pardon me, in, I'm going to give you a category. Uh, I'm going to give you a category. You ready? Just okay, type uh, in the ho- word. Hold on. Before you do this, I want to point out that your book is number 5,831,000 in books. That's exactly right. And number 25,134 exactly. in political keep leader going. biographies. What keep happens? Well, hold, hold on. Before well, I'm, I'm not going to keep going because I, I want to point out that you, we can create this extremely narrow category of no, of you're books. doing exactly well, he what he says. Amazon he's had zero sales. You say you've had zero sales in two years. What happens when you contact the middleman and inquire with them? What do they tell you? The middleman doesn't have to tell me anything. You guys won't let me finish. Okay. The middleman only because the middleman only is responsible for the upload. That's it. That's what they do. Anybody can go to Barcode Graphics and do a contract, and they will do the upload and all the paperwork and everything gets signed. That's not it. They literally, let me put it to you like this. If you will let me just explain why you're seeing 5,854,712 and all of that nonsense, okay? Now, when I finished writing the book, I went to LinkedIn when I had it in manuscript format. And I only knew one lady on there, and her husband used to coach basketball with my son when, we, when they were small kids. She used to babysit my son. He used to be one of the presidents of a major pharmaceutical company in the country, okay? I asked her if I could contact some of her friends on LinkedIn. She said, sure. I contacted from her 168 members of the media, and I said, hey, I'm a new book author. I want to get some pre-release exposure. Is it okay with you if I send you chapter three in my book? All 163 people, I'm sorry, all 168 people said, sure, no problem. In Where are you going with days, this, man? I, hang on. In six days, I got no, I'm, I'm kind of hanging on. Where are you going with this? I mean, it sounds to Where me I'm like you're an author who wrote a book that isn't selling, and you're upset about that, so you're looking to blame Amazon. No, no, that's not it. I don't know anybody who's going to pay $70 for a paperback book. That, that, that's you know, also uh, true as well. Or, or $45 for the Kindle version. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's why you don't have any sales. Yeah, Herbert, thank you so much for the call. Now, it people, may be a great book, but that title is also that... you got to do something about that 20-word title. People that buy online ebooks probably don't want to pay more than 10 I bucks. buy books all the time, and if it's 10 bucks or more, I'm going to be like, no. If it's more than 10 bucks, I want to get it on paperback, but I'm sure as I'm not going to pay $70 for a paperback. No, I agree entirely. Herbert, think about that and give us a call back. 603-283-6160. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com.
It is Free Talk Live, where you're invited to call in, take control of the airwaves, and talk about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that's 603-283-6160. We do in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And we were talking about, and before we... Should we talk a little more about Herbert? We, I, I didn't want to because we got rid of him, but you know, I, I think we should. If your book says it's not sailing on Amazon, that's just all BS. That's all the BS you gotta look past. I mean... The ranking. I knew it was gonna be bad when I heard the title. <laughs> yes. But there's so much to unpack here. Literary uh, documentation, book one, stuck on the outside in quotes, colon, my personal quest to become an integral part of the American dream. That's a mouthful on its own. And, and that's, then, that's the title. And then you look at the cover. <laughs> now, look, they say don't judge a book by its cover. But, I mean, you kind of have to when this is obviously something that someone threw together in 10 minutes using Microsoft Word. <laughs> The cover and is he hired the, a company to do this for him, remember? Yeah, I don't think that they designed the cover for him. I think he just gave him what he came up with. I mean, that's not even a... I, it pains me as someone who's read literature my entire life to refer to that as a cover. Yeah, it's and just And for those who want to Google it to look for themselves, again, that, that easy-to-remember title is Literary Documentation Book One Stuck on the Outside, My Personal Quest to Become <laughs> an Integral Part of the American Dream. By Herbert <laughs> Eric Stevens, with a P. Of course, it is $69 for the paperback version. Yeah. Or $45 for the Kindle version. Like when you pay six, if you're going to pay $69. I have paid $75 for hardcover books before mm-hmm. that were signed by well known, established right. New York Times bestseller authors. Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's what I was going to say. If you're going to pay $70, bucks, you are getting a book that is out of print, right? Or it's something that's signed unique, by the author. Signed by the author. Or it's, you know, hard to find. Hardly anyone has a copy of it and you got to pay top dollar to get your hands on it. Your typical paperback price shouldn't be much more than 19 or 25 bucks. Like that's more expensive than the average paperback. But Yeah, I imagine days- on Amazon you can probably find most paperbacks for somewhere like I bought I recently bought the Once and Future King by TH White, which is the King author story. And I think it was $6.94, and it's a huge paperback. Yeah. Well, that's a major p- publisher, but for a, for a one-off print job, you could expect this could be higher than, than sure. 10 bucks. Uh, but 60 No. 70 No. Well, that's the amazing thing about Amazon's direct publishing, is that they made a way to do this uh, print-on-demand thing where it's you, you're not losing a lot of overhead to the cost of them having to print it. You're not holding on to a bunch of copies? You're also not holding on to that's a bunch right. of copies, no. That's a huge advancement. I mean, the fact that people can do self-publishing these days so easily is a real testament to technology and where we're at today. Because it used Uh, to be the case that if you wanted to publish a book, you had to get like a minimum order. You had to get a deal. You had to to, self-publish. Yeah. Yeah. If you had the money, you had to order like a minimum of 2,000 copies or something like that. filling an entire room of your house with with copies of the book. Now Tom Woods uh, releases a free ebook every other week. Awesome. Good, Good for, for him. him. I like that. So to go back to Herbert Eric Stevens here, um, from the office of a U.S. senator to a tech giant to Hollywood, New York network television to all of these other places to the U.S. military, what do they all have in common? They all utilize this one man, the one man think tank. I'm going to give you some details about why he's called a one-man think tank in a moment. Creator of the GPS point-to-point navigation system. Uh-huh. 
So Herbert Eric Stevens, it seems that the basis of his book is that he invented the GPS point-to-point navigation system and the entire world conspired to rob him of the credit of that. You got to ask yourself a question. Why is this guy stuck on the outside? Did he really suffer the largest theft of intellectual property in history? (laughs) And the reason he calls himself a one-man think tank is... I'm not making this up. You can Google that enormously long title and find this out for yourself. He had a resume specialist look at his resume, and that was the best way they came to characterize his work experience and his skill set is one wow. man think tank. So you not sit around much thinking a, a lot yeah, by yourself. Not much of a job history or anything there. I mean, good on the person who did this to find the most colorful way to spin this, but without him getting mad. Yeah, this guy is constantly upset about something, right? Like his book apparently is about how he got jacked of the idea of GPS. Maybe that's yeah. true. Uh, I found nothing that suggested that was true. But well, I mean, knows? if there was this worldwide conspiracy to rob him of credit, to, we're not going to buy the book to find out no, at seventy dollars a pop. Uh, but you know, let's say that's true. Wouldn't you think he'd be way more upset about that than getting screwed over on his book sales? Like he called us to be upset about not seeing sales of his book on Amazon and not getting his revenue from his book sales. But why wouldn't he lead with? I'm the creator of GPS, and they stole this technology from me. That's such a bigger story, right? Like, you not getting your handful of book sales that you might have gotten in the last two years. I can't years. imagine there were very many. There were at least two people who purchased the books, who purchased the book, going by the customer reviews here, but I'm not sure you actually have to... Are you to, sure? Are those verified well, uh, purchases? That's what I was about to say. I'm not sure you actually have to have purchased Mm-mm. the book in order to review it. You do not. Okay. No, that, 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 that Amazon has a separate category for people who uh re- leave a review but actually certified p- bought the verified book. buyer yeah. or something like that there's an actual way to prove when you're logged into your account there's some way to leave a review for a, a product you purchased and then you get that little badge so you know that that's not just some spammer coming in it's probably him right well, none of these review, are even right? named yeah you're you're absolutely none of these are from even named accounts they're just amazon customer certainly mm-hmm. not verified owners or anything yeah. so so yeah, he probably never sold a single book, but he's upset about that instead of still like pointing out. I mean, he didn't tell us he was the creator of GPS. We had to go and you know read the a little bit about the book to to find that out. It just seems like strange priorities. Yeah, yeah I, I agree entirely. GPS would probably have made him a lot more money if he could prove the case. But from what I can tell, the book isn't even about. His, him having GPS technology stolen from him, from hmm. what I can tell. And of course, God knows it's 400 pages. It is 400 pages and it's it's not very well written. Right. And you're getting a free preview, apparently, of the first several pages on Amazon. So anybody that actually was interested after reading this this 20 word title could then pull up the first several pages of the book and they would immediately be uh, turned away because you said I've not read it myself. But you said, Aria, the writing is terrible. Yeah, I mean, look at this giant block of text here. There, there, there are oh, no line yeah. breaks. There is, it's it, that's wow. That's the book. I mean, if kudos to any author. This who is why can, people hire editors, by the way. So yeah, can, but kudos to anyone who can fill four hundred pages of text like this in the first place. I mean, that's a lot of writing. But then it goes on to, 
I, mean, I, I don't know what the shooter I'm looking from at the here. other week just put out a 180 page manifesto. So I mean, it's not hard for a crazy. A lot of person that was to... memes, though. Okay, <laughs> but you know, fair point. A lot of these seem to basically what are, what are just those? be images? images. They're pictures of classified ads from October of 1991 hmm. in various Weird. newspapers. There's several several pages of pictures of classified ads in newspapers. Wow. It, it appears to comprise the bulk of the actual book here. I, I don't know what I'm looking I can, at I can't here. say I'm not surprised that he can't find an attorney to take his case. I mean... I, I don't know. I don't know what this is anymore. We didn't want to listen to him after less than ten minutes of him being on the air. An attorney's just gonna be like, "Yeah, my time's worth three hundred dollars an hour." Yeah, and he was totally wasting our time. I mean, it it would be. It, I'm not gonna say that the guy didn't invent GPS technology <laughs> because I don't know the history of GPS technology and who invented it or where he was working at. But I will say that. If you didn't invent that, to hire a ghostwriter or something, man, so that you don't end up with whatever this is. Uh, you can go Jeez. to Amazon and look at the sample yourself, but really, there's there's no point in doing that. It's it's about what you would expect to be expect from the person who claims to have GPS technology stolen from him, and who then wrote a book about it and is upset not about the GPS being stolen from him, but about not getting his book royalties. All very perplexing. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in or talk about the NFT craze that is seems to be dying. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160 if you would like to weigh in. Talk about whatever we've been talking about or change the subject, whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And we're being joined now by via remote by longtime host of the show, Mark Edge. Mark, are you with us? I don't know. Am I? You are. It's yes. sounding great. Thank you. I do sound great. So, <laughs> ah, Mark, I, I have missed you. Hasn't lost that I just, ego. <laughs> I just want a little more credit too. Um, I recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, put an autoresponder for people who do, uh, you know, public relations for books and that sort of thing on my email because I got listed somehow of all of us. I got listed in the who's who of radio mm. and they try to contact me. I literally get 200 emails a day oh my God. and the majority of them are people who want to do interviews and Ian uh, scolded me, wagged as a little virtual <laughs> finger at me. Why do you so mean to people in your email? Because it's all <laughs> spam bots. That's why Ian. Well, and just for so context, uh, Mark had to get a new email so he put in his old email a auto responder thing that says if you need to contact me you're gonna have to figure it out yourself because i'm not monitoring this and i don't want all the spam so why good luck create the email address why did i create a new one why, why even create an email address if it's just going to be an auto responder that says that to no people? that was it the old one sorry so the old one the people old one. had had, yeah. It's 15 years worth of spam piled up on that one, mostly from people who write books, probably from this guy who mm -hmm. got a hold of you, who was uh, the, the inventor of GPS and now wants his book royalties for mm -hmm. it or whatever. <laughs> so you're welcome. It's always been amazing what kind of books get published. I mean, even before self-publishing, there were all kinds of crazies writing <laughs> books out there. And now... 
there's nothing in between uh, the end consumer and you know the crazies. It's not is, just books. I mean that that's universally true uh, yeah. as far YouTube content, podcasts. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, music. And it's a good thing. Ultimately, I'm, I think I'm glad is. for it. I think it's uh, it's the benefit of technology becoming affordable. Uh, it's anybody can publish a book. Anybody can do a podcast. Anybody can do a video show now. I mean, even you know, look at Dave for instance. Dave from New York. I mean, he's uh, crazy as uh, as a fox, and uh, but that guy can figure out how to put a video online. Well, um, I will say this. Uh, if you search Building 7 on uh, YouTube, you're not going to find what you used to find. No, have you have changed. to go to Odyssey for things like that. You can't get... Mm. Well, you're not allowed to talk about Building 7, Mark. Mm. It, it didn't just collapse. It fell into a black hole. Well, um, I don't know what I'm allowed to talk to and what I'm not about, allowed to talk about. But We well, can talk uh, about whatever you want on Free Talk Live. I just meant on YouTube. I mean, Indeed. In the mainstream world, you're not allowed to mention Building 7. We don't care what YouTube does to us. Well, um, what I want to talk about tonight is uh, drug deaths during 2020 and 2021. Hmm. So um, in 2019, around 72,000 people died from drug overdoses. Presumably, this is the amount of people that died from drug overdoses in the United States for some time as a percentage of the population. And um, however, it was up in 2020 by... Oh, we're losing him. I'm watching the uh, the uh, signal here, and uh, I suspect what he was signal loss. I suspect what he was going to say was that the number of drug related deaths for 2020 and 2021 are significantly They're higher. Up. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, people were locked down, and that's well, sadly that's what most people turned to. We predicted order. this in 2020. We, we said there's going to be more suicides, more and mental be, health issues. Right, there's going to be more drug overdoses. A lot of people who maybe were, you know, had beaten. Their addiction, or they thought they're going to fall off the wagon. Yeah. There was just you know? like, there was nothing fun to do outside of the house, so you had to be inside your house. So I was drinking a lot of alcohol until I caught myself. I was like, eh, I'm kind of getting fat. I need to get up and start going to work again. Well, I was doing Uber Eats so I could actually do that and stop drinking at night all the time for no reason. It, it may be worth going back through some of those old episodes and just listen to some of our predictions about what things were going to happen because now we do have, you know, and We've already seen at least one mass murder, mass shooting that was a I want to say, I want to call it a direct result of COVID-19. You talking about the uh, Buffalo shooting? Yes. Where he cited being locked down is what encouraged him to go to 4chan cuz he was bored. Yes, wow. and that then he lunatic, got radicalized. That lunatic during COVID-19 got bored while being locked down in his home, went to 4chan, and then a year and a half later, 2 years later, whatever the timeline is, Killed 10 people at a grocery store for racist 4 chain reasons. Yep. Wow, the different paths you can take. I got bored d- during lockdown, found Free Talk Live, and became radicalized. <laughs> radicalized to during peace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, and then we had this more recent guy who was, he had bullied his entire life. He, he wasn't even going to graduate this year from when I could see. The, the guy who shot up the school in Texas... Yes, that's right. Clearly, got some mental health issues, and I'm not saying COVID-19 caused that or anything like that, but we did point out that, you know, people with mental health issues, that's going to be exacerbated by by COVID-19 and the lockdown and the isolation and all of that. So I would not be at all surprised to see a continuing uptick in the number of school shootings and mass shootings that we have, all ultimately traceable to that. Hey, you remember that two-year period where we locked down and we kept mm-hmm. people in their homes and we told them that everyone was out to get them and the people who didn't wear masks were 
were manslaughterers and didn't care about them, didn't care about their grandmothers. Well, it turns out that significantly damaged people emotionally and maturely, and now people are going on killing sprees. Well, I know one thing. Seeing all this violence, all these acts of violence going on in the world, really makes me wish that I couldn't protect myself. Yeah, that that is the weird thing coming out of this. And I mean, that comes out of every mass shooting, you mm-hmm. know, is the gun control argument. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't get it. The best thing I've ever seen about this is that saying, you know, you don't need a gun because you can just call the police or whatever. That That is the whitest thing a person can ever say. It's, it's the, the self whitest? Def- mm-hmm. Yes, the whitest. It is the self-defense equivalent of saying, let the butler do it. Uh-uh. Well, it, the funny thing is... No it, one who's ever lived in any amount of actual danger has ever uttered such a stupid yeah. expression in their life. Well, <laughs> and, and the funny thing is it uh, usually comes from people on the left. Yeah. People who wanted to control guns, but many of the people on the left were also the people in 2020 in the summertime who were saying, oh, you know, the police are corrupt. We can't trust the police. Police bad. All cops are bad. And I tend to believe that the police are corrupt. We have a story tonight about a police chief or not police chief, the, t- the head of the union in Boston who's going to prison for 13 years for raping children. So, yeah, there's plenty of evidence that the cops are bad news, but how they can hold this dis- dis- disparate uh, viewpoint where on one hand they say they think the police are corrupt and they need to be abolished and then on the other hand say no we need the police to respond whenever there's a situation to protect everyone because we should trust the police they should be the only ones with guns yeah it's insane so tell us more about this story about this police chief because I know you mentioned it earlier and you know it sounds absolutely horrifying. It's shocking, as Bonnie pointed out, that a, that a police chief, a police union chief, is even being prosecuted, much less was found guilty. Or, or you said he, it took decades for him well, to finally actually be prosecuted for this, and that's they why knew. there were twenty one counts because this went yeah. on for a very long time. They it's knew ho- that's twenty one counts of raping people. That's what he pleaded guilty to. He was actually charged with more than. 20 21 counts, so they plead it down to just 21. Uh, according to the Daily Mail in the UK, 13 Patrick, years. Patrick Rose, age 67, yeah, 13 years for child rape and sexual assault that occurred over a 27 year period, uh, while Ross Ulbricht is in prison for two life sentences and 40 years for running a website. With no chance of parole. Correct. So they didn't, so he did this for 27 years and they didn't even have the decency to give him half that amount of time in prison? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to die in there, given that he's a 67-year-old man. But still, Ross Ulbricht... Well, again, if he doesn't get out on good behavior or some other technicality, I, I don't know how their yeah, prison system actually works there, but... Uh, he was uh, admitted to raping and sexually abusing several children over the span of nearly three decades. The ex-Police Patrolman's Association boss, Patrick Rose, age 67, pleaded guilty to 21 counts of child rape and sexual assault. Victims ranged from 7 to 16 years old. The former cop sat in court and cried as he listened to some of his victims deliver impact statements before he was sentenced to up to 13 years in prison. So yeah, he'll probably get out on two-thirds the two th- if it's if uh new if Massachusetts is anything like New Hampshire, there's probably a two-thirds good time rule. Okay. Also so the impression New Hampshire like didn't do good behavior or time reduction. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Uh it's actually better in New Hampshire than it is federally. Federal it's like eighty percent. You gotta do eighty percent. Here it's two thirds. Okay. Uh your reputation absolutely gone, said one victim. All you'll ever be remembered is as another creep. 
who's nothing going for him. Your job as a cop protecting people? Well, that's really quite ironic, isn't it? Unquote. Rose faced his uh, first child sexual abuse allegation in the mid-1990s, but those charges were dropped. However, he was allowed to remain on the force for years despite sufficient evidence found by internal investigators supporting allegations that he sexually assaulted a minor. What's the point of investigating it then? To clear themselves of any wrongdoing, generally. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in on this corrupt cop. That's 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, where you are invited to take control of the airwaves, talk about whatever is important to you. 603-283-6160 if you would like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And coming up, we're going to be talking about how more than 10,000 drivers have had themselves removed from... The, I wrote this down in such a sloppy way. I know what it says, but trying to parse what I wrote down into what the story is about is not at all... Um, common sense oriented so the article is about more than 10,000 truck drivers who have been suspended from their jobs for smoking pots evidently or testing positive for cannabis we're going to be talking about that this year just this year in the middle of all of these supply chain shortages that's that's brilliant on the part of the these trucking companies we're also going to be talking about the standard of living decrease. Evidently, the Dutch prime minister or some someone in the Dutch government is like, we're just going to have to accept the reality that we're going to have to be a little bit poorer, mm. which that's the kind of thing you expect to hear from a Venezuelan prime minister mm-hmm. more so than someone in, you know, what is Dutch? Netherlands. Netherlands. Okay. The Netherlands. Yeah. But before we do that, we're talking about this... This police union chief. Another rapist cop. Yeah, well, was he? I assume you had to have been a cop in order to become a leader of the police union, right? Must have been. So he was the chief of the police union. They don't just call them president or of the union or union leader or whatever the term would be. He's the chief. And he was a child rapist raping people ages 7 to 16. Yep. Yeah, so actual children. Yes. Yeah. This uh, yeah. is this teenagers. Is not the- I don't generally count as children, but he actually was raping children. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and so now he's going to prison for up to thirteen years. 
Uh, they story And I think what this means is that the prosecutors are going to ask for 13 years. No, he's been sentenced. I okay. think what they mean by that is, again, he could get out on good time. Okay. And that will likely be, if again, I'm presuming Massachusetts, sometimes the New England states have similar policies. So if it's, if it's like New Hampshire, then he's going to spend two thirds of that time behind bars. Uh, but here's a little bit more, because what's important to know about this isn't that this just came out of nowhere. It's that he was accused in the mid-1990s, so 25 years ago, almost 30 years ago, of molesting a child back then. And you said they had enough evidence then to to prove that he did it. The charges were dropped. However, internal investigators, according to documents released by the city of Boston last year, internal investigators had sufficient evidence supporting the allegations that he had indeed sexually assaulted a minor. Rose was relieved of his weapon and placed on administrative duty, but was returned to full duty after an attorney for the Boston Police Patrolman's Association wrote to the commissioner in 1997 and threatened to file a grievance, according to the documents obtained a by A grievance NBC. on behalf of the child rapist. He was then elected president of the Boston Police Patrolman's Association in 2014 and served that way until he retired in 2018. So you have to ask yourself, what level of corruption must exist within the entirety of the Boston police bureaucracy in order for this man who was known internally within the department, right? So they have internal investigations or internal affairs. This is the group of police that exist supposedly to police the police, right? They investigate their own. So they had, they said sufficient evidence to go after this guy, but it was dropped. The charges were dropped. He was not only protected from the charges, but kept on the job and elected. So he wasn't appointed by some committee or something like that. He was elected by the patrolmen themselves, the head of the Boston Police Patrolmen's Association. And you know the words got to be on the street, yeah, right? Yeah, people know. The, 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 the Rumors get around. People yeah. would know. His coworkers would know. Oh, hey, that, that guy rapes kids. Yeah. Well, I don't, why don't we vote for the other guy? He, he's a kid <laughs> rapist. No, they voted for him for some reason. All right, so you do have to ask yourself... What is that reason? Why did this guy get to the levels that he got to? Because the other people were as corrupt, I would, so. I would guess. I, I can't imagine any other scenario. Maybe he did them some favors. God knows what, it, what the behind-the-scenes ugliness was here. Maybe but. every single voter was as corrupt, and that just means they don't care. Well, they were all police. Yep. So He was charged ultimately in August of 2020 with sexually abusing a 7-year-old female relative who, now a teenager had told police the abuse had continued for five years until she turned 12. The victim told police... So long after he had lived his life, I mean, he's retired at this point. He's He's now 67 now. He's done. I mean, his life is effectively over anyway. He's just going to live out his days in retirement. Now they finally go after him. Yep. The victim told police that Rose allegedly touched her inappropriately and asked her to perform sexual acts on him in his West Roxbury home. Several more people then came forward alleging they were abused by Rose. He was ultimately charged with 33 counts of sexual abuse of children. Monday, he pleaded guilty to the multitude of sexual abuse crimes spanning mostly of three decades. He had previously denied the charge but reached a plea deal 
with prosecutors. Documents released last year from a 1996 internal police department probe showed that top officials concluded that Rose likely sexually abused a child, yet he continued to patrol in Dorchester and interact with children and sex abuse victims. So not only did he continue in his job, but he managed to get himself into a position in the department where he was able to interact specifically with children and other victims of sex abuse. So that he could abuse them, presumably. I bet you he did. I'm sure he did. The, there was a reason he would have gone after that particular appointment. So the then police commissioner and an internal investigations chief released a joint statement in April of last year defending their actions in 1996, saying they were unable to discipline Mr. Rose because they didn't have a witness or other evidence, the Globe reported. Quote, we believed at the time and we still believe that everything that could be done by the Boston Police Department was done in this matter to hold Rose accountable. Well, then, <laughs> he spent 30 years raping kids. Where is... The part where they said that they had sufficient evidence to prove it was him, where is that coming from then if they didn't have enough evidence? I guess they had enough evidence, but not enough they believed to prosecute him. Like, they believed that he was doing it, but couldn't do anything about it. So do what the prosecutors do and come at him and say, hey, look, uh, we know what you're doing. Yeah. We want you to resign Hmm. or we're going to bring charges against you. Or just, you know, don't vote for him to keep continuing going up if there's really nothing you can do. They, also a really good point. They, they didn't have to make him the police union chief. Right. They could have done all manner of things. They yeah, could put have kept him on him a, a desk, desk job, job. Right. Kept him away from children or whatever. But no, they claim they did, quote, everything that could be done was done in this matter to hold him accountable. <laughs> Except that's clearly not the case. Quote, anyone who is in the courtroom, this is uh, district attorney quoting this, uh, saying this, this, anyone who's in that courtroom knows the tremendous courage, fortitude and bravery that they withstood, talking about the victims, throughout this horrible incident. These are monstrous, monstrous acts, unquote. Following the impact statements, Rose expressed remorse in a statement he read in court where he said he wanted to apologize for his despicable behavior, apologize to my former colleagues, my former friends, but more importantly, the more important thing in my life, I apologize to my family, to those I hurt. I'm so very sorry. Did he apologize to the victims? I mean, he did, but the... Oh, he didn't? Not no. in that he statement. He just said he apologized for his despicable behavior. To his, his colleagues, colleagues and his friends and his family. And his family. Couldn't even apologize to the people directly. But he doesn't. Well, he's, he's only sorry he got caught. That's mm-hmm. all. That's all he's sorry for. Yeah, you wouldn't for. be sorry for and doing it for, what, 27 years? Yeah. I mean, he certainly could have come forward with this at any time and, you know, confessed his guilt or whatever and said that he was sorry without waiting sure. until he was actually caught. That's always the big difference, right? Is how do you know if someone's actually apologizing because they're sorry or because they're genuinely sorry? Well, if they're doing this like this in these circumstances where they've already been caught, they're apologizing because they were caught. And it's important to point out this is not an isolated incident. I'm sure there's somebody out there saying, oh, well, he's just a bad apple. Remember, they protected this guy. He was able to reach the highest levels of police you know, control. He was the chief of the police union. That is an influential position, one of the most influential positions out there. And there was a story a few years ago here in Cheshire County, New Hampshire, you know, two hours away from this, about a police chief found guilty of raping children. So it's not like this is the only co- uh, child rapist cop. No, I mean, most of the stories that we hear about ch- about cop racists, they're not rapists, turn out to be raping kids. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live.
It's Free Talk Live with Aria, Bonnie, and Ian. 603-283-6160 if you would like to join us. That's 603-283-6160. And I'm wondering, have you almost given up trying to wake up friends and family? Well, we've got something that just might help. Truth Max. Our friend Susan is a former English teacher and longtime truth seeker, and she recently started her own trail mix brand, making it, bagging it, and selling it herself in a commercial kitchen down in Florida. She calls it Truth Smacks because there's a heavy dose of truth on the back of each bag. The Truth Quotes variety has some famous or infamous quotes on the back, and then the Freedom variety has famous quotes all about freedom and government tyranny. Both varieties come in two sizes, an original flavor or peppermint-infused, only available at truthsmacks.com shop. Great way to smack your friends and family with truth in a loving way. Made with all raw, unadulterated ingredients, no artificial crap, only food as nature intended. That's truthsmacks.com slash shop. She even used to make uh, her trail mix with chocolate that had soy in it, and she changed that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because it's hard to find chocolate without soy. It is. But she found some. Yeah. But it's yeah. really, really good. That's truthsmacks.com slash shop for the people in your lives who like trail mix and who just don't seem to be getting the big picture about how tyrannical government actually is. Truth Truthsmacks.com slash shop. I, I don't endorse a lot of things, but I will absolutely endorse uh, Truth Smacks. I love that product. It's delicious. That's awesome. Well, you like trail mix in general, right? I do. Yep. And this is really good trail mix. That's good. I mean, it helps that all of the ingredients are actually, you know, not, they, they are natural and it's yep. not a bunch of preserved crap. Yep. But let's go to the phones. We have Sarah on the line from New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, yes. Uh, about two weeks ago, we had a, a bike, bicycle to whatever day. Who's we? Do you have a bicycle? Uh, no, I, I don't have a bike. Do you know how to ride a bike? I know how to ride a bike. You do? Okay. Yeah, so but, do you, do you well, mean the city saying, of Albuquerque had this event? Right, right. I mean, the bicyclist of Albuquerque, the our city had this this day that we have once a year about bicycle to whatever day. So, so bicycle the, to whatever the, day. Yeah, bicycle to wherever day, and mm-hmm. then the remember we had a bicycle to work day that started a couple of years ago. No, so I don't remember. Got, well, that that got started in Canada. I don't know what city started it, but I remember that it was start, started a while ago, maybe twenty years. Oh, that's ago. right. You called you called the show about this a, a few weeks ago. Some some ride your ride your bike to work day or whatever, something like that, right? Yeah, but we had we or had to, a, to raise had awareness for bicycles. Right, and they had that for many. I mean, maybe like twenty years or so. I've been hearing about that. But we just had a bicycle to wherever day, like about 10 days ago here in Albuquerque. So we started that, you know? Okay. So maybe, well, maybe next year, maybe another, you guys could start out, um, start a bicycle to um, grocery store and back day, you know? Well, I'm not starting anything. And if I was, it, it would absolutely not be bicycle to grocery store and back day. Yeah. What a pain in the butt. To, God, I, I, mean, I hate when to, there's a bunch of bike bikers on the road, honestly. I really hate it. It's tolerable, I mean, especially here in Keene, as long as they, they behave like a vehicle. When, when they do both, where they behave like a pedestrian one minute and then they're vehicle. And if they want to behave like a vehicle, I mean, a pedestrian, that's fine too. Just stick to sidewalks and crosswalks or whatever. But mm. 
going from the road to crosswalk to road yeah. again, that's dangerous, that man. Is. That makes you unpredictable, and I have no idea what you're going to do next. That's a good point, and I've never seen a bike that just drove like it was a car. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. I don't get mad at motorcycles. Well, they kind of make a lot of noise, and I don't like them, but I don't get mad at them when I'm driving. Well, that's the way they're supposed well, yeah, to I mean, be driven, uh, bicycles, yeah. as though they're vehicles. Well, I mean, you know what I see is uh, the bicyclists, they act like a car, but when they go in, actually in the car left lane, and then they turn their left hand out to signal that they make a left, and they turn that... Yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to instruct people right. on how to <laughs> use hand signals when riding a bike, though, Sarah. Thank you so much for the call tonight. If I had done Bike to Work Day when I lived in Florida... And actually, you know, had to go somewhere because I've been doing this show for 20 years. But uh, if I, you know, did that, then I, it was almost a half hour drive to go to work. Oof, so it would be yeah. well over an hour if I were to attempt that ride by bicycle. It's probably doable for most people in Keene. I wouldn't want to drive it on one of one. Keene's a small city. You can get across the city pretty easily on a bicycle here in probably 10 to 20 minutes. But I, I think 15, the point 20. of the day is supposed to be like that helps the environment or something. And I just reject that, that a bunch of people, not even half of the town riding bikes to work that day would make any difference. No, I, I tend to think not. But you mentioned Route 101 and... There is part of Route 101 that is just completely not good for bicycle riding or pedestrians or anything like that. But once you get past that, and that's only like a short section, once you get past that, it's extremely... It doesn't have a bike lane, but the breakdown lane there is easily wide Mm -hmm. enough for a bicycle. So Route 101 isn't the worst thing I've ever seen as far as riding a bike here in Keene. But you're, you're right. I still wouldn't want to like ride a bike from my house to the studio here that, that'd be too stressful and it would take significantly longer mm-hmm. and it just wouldn't be worth it whether it was ride a bike to work day or whatever well when you're a productive person and sarah is not that's true sarah's a welfare recipient when you're a productive person you have to be places on time you have to you've got a schedule you've got people who are expecting things of you you've got co- uh, commitments that you've made you may you have things to carry with you that you can that. fit on a bike yeah you've got to honor your commitments to people and you just you know it's fun to be on a bike it's cool to be able to go from point to point on a bike and i do like to ride my bike when i when i can here in Keene cuz Keene is a particularly walkable and bikeable city in new hampshire uh, but, I rode a uh, bike today for the first time in probably 20-something years. Yeah. I, I don't know when the last time I rode a bike was, but it was a very long time ago, and it was mostly to walk my dog, right? Yeah, for me, it was when I was a kid in Florida. I didn't ride since I moved It was when King. I was a kid in Mississippi, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't forget how to do it. That, that's no, absolutely that's true. true. And, you know, I did it because I wanted my jo- my dog to jog alongside me to exercise her better than yeah. just walking her, and she loved it. She was great at it. That's awesome. My dog would never do that. He'd run right under the He'd wheel. Run under, yeah. Well, <laughs> she, did, she did that. Ex- well, she ran in front of the wheel exactly once, hmm. and I tried to break, but she learned very quickly that this isn't, this isn't jogging. I can't just stop. Hmm. Hmm. It, it didn't hurt her, but she, she learned the lesson. Hey, I don't need to run in front of this. And for, after that, she was a little bit behind me the entire way. Hmm. Very very good at it. Good. But that's what I would expect of a golden retriever. But, you know, th- these are all you. Th- bikes do have their uses. Yeah. But it, they're never going to replace automobiles. Automobiles are simply too useful. I, yeah. If th- I had to drive, if I had to uh, work in downtown Keene, I'd ride a bike. Because it's literally a two-minute bike ride from here. Well, if you had to do it daily and yeah. it was warm. I would do it during the wintertime. I've, really? I ride okay. by, I've ridden my bike constantly during the wintertime. The only time you don't want to ride it is if the street is icy. 
Well, uh, that's the only time. If Otherwise, the government got out of the way, we could probably just create cars that ran on something more, you know, efficient for the environment pretty yeah, easily. You probably have cars um, running on water. I'm well, on there my was, hoverboard, man. There was a guy that was working on a car that would run on water who got shot by the Buffalo Shooter. He even had a YouTube channel devoted to his uh, invention of his car that ran on water. I've seen that, but last I'd heard no one had been able to find the YouTube channel. Did or- they take that down? I don't know. 603-283-6160. Maybe someone out there has seen the YouTube channel that we're talking about and they could inform us. 603-283-6160. But yeah, it's government regulation that's in the way here. We should have hoverboards by this point, and yet we don't. And I want my hoverboard. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you're invited to join us, 603-283-6160, if you would like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160, talking about police brutality, police corruption here on the show tonight. And there was this cop in Massachusetts who was a former cop. He became the police chief of the police union, and he was recently sentenced to 13 years in prison for... 21 counts of rape. Throughout his entire career, evidently, he had been raping kids, people aged 7 to 16. And some that were related to him. Some of which were related to him. And he got away with it. People covered up the reality of what he was doing. And then they made him the the leader of their union. But he's not alone. There are, there's corruption everywhere within police systems. And Bonnie, you have a story about the New Hampshire State Police and how they're using... Just ordinary traffic stops as an excuse for searching people and harassing them further. Which this that, is news. It, it's news because they're. It's, it's surprising for New Hampshire. It I is, guess. but well, it's also news because they're pulling people over for like going the speed limit. Mm. Um, what do you call it when they make like a committee of cops that do some job? It's not committee. A task force. Yeah, they they created a task force focused on um, ending. The drug trade in New Hampshire and that task force <laughs> is what's... Um, yeah, they have the drug task force. Mm-hmm. I, I, it has a name. It'll, it'll come up in here. And they want to end the drug trade in New Hampshire. Yes, by well, pulling people tra- over for whatever reason they feel like. They've wanted to end the drug trade for decades and I they think most continue of the, to fail. I, I would be... I'm under the impression that most of the drug stuff happening here in New Hampshire is stuff that is cooked on site. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's true. There's a lot of it that comes up from New York City. Okay. And uh, and this article gets into it, like the roads around Nashua, so maybe like Boston. Well, this is from NHPR.org. Why did I get stopped? How NH state troopers use minor traffic violations to search for drugs. Michael Vazquez didn't know why a New Hampshire state trooper was pulling him over one afternoon in August 2018. I know why. Yeah. His he, last name is Vasquez. Hmm. What he, is it? I, I, I don't. That's a, a Hispanic name, so oh, he's yep. probably driving okay. while brown. And it gets into this uh, it, it, this task force is disproportionately targeting people of color. So. Of course. Of course they are. I mean, and this is common sense, right? Cops have the right to exercise discretion. This is obvious. They can't pull over every single speeder they see or every single person they see who's breaking one minor infraction mm-hmm. or another. So they have to pick and choose which ones to pull over, which ones to harass, 
And they have innate bias, well, maybe not innate, but they have biases informing them about whether or not to pull over this person or whether or not to pull over that person. And as Mark pointed out one night, if their options are to pull over me or to pull over Mark Edge, they're always going to pull over me. Or if their options are to pull over a black man or Mark Edge, they're always going to pull over the black man. Yeah, I think uh, the ACLU in New Hampshire came out with numbers years ago showing that if you were black in Cheshire County, you were something like three times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession. That's an extreme difference. Yeah. And and it ultimately stems from stuff like this, where they sure. pull you over for speeding or having a busted taillight or not turning on your headlights quickly enough. And next thing you know, oh, we smell we smell marijuana. And then they plant it or you actually have marijuana on you. It's not a, it's not above cops to actually plant drugs. So there have been no many, doubt. many cops who have done this or planting weapons. I think that's what happens to this guy in this story. He doesn't say that's what he thinks, but it sounds like it to me. It says he'd been driving his BMW on Interstate 93 in Salem doing the speed limit. Trooper uh, Michael Ortega told Vasquez he was tailgating another vehicle, but he had other reasons for the stop. Ortega was a member of a specialized unit whose chief mission isn't traffic safety, but looking for drug traffickers on New Hampshire's highways. Hmm. Tailgating people is like half of what cops do. And that's how hmm. you always know when they're looking to pull you over is because they start tailgating Get right you. up on you. Yeah. And that, that's your cue to whip out your camera and start recording because the bully is about to try to bully you. He did tell Vasquez that's why he pull, pulled him over, but it says the reason he gave in his report for pulling him over... Vasquez was tapping on the brakes to stay in his lane rather than speeding up to pass. Quote, I became suspicious. Hold on. <laughs> he wasn't speeding, basically. Yeah, because mm. there's a cop behind him. I was I was surprised back when I was 16 to learn that, no, you're not allowed to actually break the speed limit to pass people. Mm. But if you're if someone is going the speed limit and you're stuck behind them and there's a cop behind you, most people would not speed in order to pass that Hell guy. No. In fact, he probably would have passed him o- or pulled him over for doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. But if there's not a cop there, everyone would do it. Yep. Yeah, there's no right answer here with this cop. He's going to get you no matter what. Excellent point. Quote, I became suspicious the operator was purposefully trying to maintain a speed of 65 miles per hour or under. Because that was the speed limit, officer? Yeah. The trooper wrote that (laughs) down. That's proof. You must be a drug dealer because only a drug dealer would obey the speed limit. But there's somebody in front of him forcing him to obey the speed limit, right? That that was the thing here, right? He was tailgating another vehicle. But still, that's what they believe, right? Oh, you must be committing a crime if you're obeying the speed limit. So pull over the guy who he was having a tailgate because Mm. that guy was driving the speed limit. Yeah, (laughs) that's so true. It says the state and federal uh, constitutions bar police officers from stopping and investigating civilians on nothing more than a hunch. But on the roads, there's a workaround. Motor vehicle violations are so common that an officer can usually find a legal reason to pull over just about any car, then probe unrelated suspicions. That and don't don't answer their questions. And by the of way. course, they can probably just make it up too, as we've seen so many times. Police will lie uh, for the reason they pulled you What's over. What's happened oh, to me? Oh yeah, your uh, light was out over your license plate. And then you go later and you check, and no, it wasn't out. That exact thing happened to me, only it was mm-hmm. like a, a brake light. It, it takes practice, but it's important to remind people, do not answer questions. I mean, you have to answer some of their questions, like what your name is and, you know, 
You I can just show them the ID. You don't even have to answer it. Okay. But and you, that's not legal advice? That's so you have to identify yourself if you're driving in New Hampshire, right? But not I think, if you're on I the street. I think if you're driving anywhere, you If you're you driving have to. anywhere, you have to have ID on you. If you do not have the ID, you will have to identify yourself to the officer to prove that you, you know, so he can look you up in the system to prove you have an ID. Just and then they're going to take at you for driving without your license. Yeah, but you can usually get that one dropped if you actually do have a license. and Because okay. it's not illegal to not have the license, as I understand it. At okay. least here in New Hampshire, it's not. I can't speak for other states. But I, I've, I've known people who've gotten that particular ticket. And then once they prove that they've actually got, uh, once they prove that they've got the license, the court, the prosecution drops the charge. But you're never your interests are never served by answering police questions. Never. The more you talk to the police, the closer you are to getting a new charge. And that that problem uh, comes up in this because the guy Vasquez doesn't really uh, know that, and he starts oh. answering all his questions. And uh, yeah, it's it's surprising that in this day and age, how few people understand to well, not talk to the police. Here's the name of the team. It's not a special force. It says it's it's a legal but controversial tactic known as pretextual stop and one that has been used by the drug interdiction unit Ortega belonged to, the New Hampshire State Police Mobile Enforcement Team or MET. So have you heard of that? I have not, I have not. heard of that. In reports in court testimony, troopers from the unit have said that they found vehicles suspicious based on drivers and passengers, body language, their use of rental cars, <laughs> legal driving behavior, behavior like obeying the speed limit, and in one case, a car being unusually clean. Wow. Those are some laughably bad pretexts for pulling people over. And all of these presumably led to some sort of drug charges or something like that, where these were just excuses they used to pull people over. Well, your those, car is too clean. Those are why they find them suspicious. Then they follow them. Then it's so easy to see anyone do a traffic violation, like they turn into a new lane without uh, signaling or anything like that. Maybe they're nervous because a cop is following them, but also it's just so easy to break a, a law while you're on the road because there's too many laws. Um so then they pull him over. Or, you know, they lie. If they're like, oh, I've been following this guy for so long, he hasn't broken any laws, they'll just lie. Does it say what happened with Vasquez here? I mean, did the, the, the cop like, hey, I want to search your vehicle? And he was like, yeah, sure, why not? Oh, jeez. Well, not exactly like that, but it does say. We're going to get further into this story and how police here in New Hampshire are owned And home. everywhere. Yeah, that's true. This is, no, <laughs> this is, it's quaint how they're talking about, like, this is news. It's surprising for New Hampshire, yeah. though. I mean, it is. It, it would be shocking to hear about King PD doing this. Mm. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and we do invite you to join us, share your thoughts and opinions, 603-283-6160, if you would like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. Coming up in just around three weeks, I don't know exactly how far away it is, but the Porcupine Freedom Festival is starting. Of course, you can't get tickets for that now. However, you can still attend ForkFest, which is the... Sort of the after party of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's a bit more low-key. It's a smaller crowd. And I'm going to be there. I don't know who else from Free Talk Live is going to be on, uh, who's going to be there. But we're hoping for a decent turnout. We don't know who all is going to be there. The Free Talk Live of, really affiliated or not. Because we don't sell tickets for Fork Fest. Mm-hmm. 
All you have to do is register with Rogers Campground. That's the owner of the camping site um, at Rogers, excuse me, at Rogers Campground. For All you have to do is get your RV site, your motel room, or your uh, camping site for June the 27th through July the 3rd. That gets you in. There is no ticket. You don't have to deal with any of that. If anyone does sell you a ticket to ForkFest, then you got ripped off. <laughs> ForkFest.party is the official website. Well, unofficial website. I hope ForkFest gets so big we actually have people that sell <laughs> fake tickets to it. That would be an amazing success. To my knowledge, I, it has never happened, and mm. I hope it never does for, because you know somebody got scammed. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind hearing well, you, the story of someone saying, hey, someone tried selling me a ticket to ForkFest. You could have an event on your own campsite that you sell tickets to. That's true. Some sort of exclusive shindig or whatever it is. I suspect things like that have happened at ForkFest. I don't know. Anyway, ForkFest.party if you want to join us. That's ForkFest.party. Talking about police corruption here. Uh, after dealing with this police... Uh, union chief from out of Boston who was raping children throughout most of his career. We're turning now to a little bit closer to home, New Hampshire, and the state police here who are using silly pretexts like people's body language and stuff. Why Why does a cop pull you over for your body language? Is it because you, you look guilty? Because well, everyone looks guilty when a cop U-turns to get behind them. Exactly. Well, this here says in January 2018, Trooper Timothy Berkey noticed a car passing through the I-95 tolls that had apparently been borrowed from someone in Jamaica, Queens, and the driver was, quote, very rigid and did not look at the cruiser as he passed my location. He just didn't look at, at the cruiser as he passed his location. How so, dare he focus on driving? At How least, dare he not acknowledge my existence? Right. In, what a drama queen. Prima it gets Donna, into it, man. It gets into it here, but somebody says, and I thought this immediately too, what if he did look at the cruiser? Well, that's he also then said, of Yeah, guilt. that could have also been evidence of guilt. He looked guilty at me. It's ridiculous. Excellent point. So these are some of the worst pretexts I've ever heard. I mean, cops do this everywhere, but I've never heard of a reason of that silly. That was why he started following him. Then sev- several miles later, so he followed him for several mm. miles, miles, hoping for a traffic infraction well it sounds like the dude was paying attention to his driving so it would have taken some time mm-hmm. well not, i don't know several miles on i-95 what, what is that probably minutes. two minutes yeah, two, well, it yeah. says that's when he pulled him over um for speeding in a 55 mile per hour zone probably like turned to 55 miles an hour and the guy was still going 65 or you know something stupid like mm-hmm. that that does happen quite a lot does it say that he like stumbled across a huge cache of drugs after that do we know what actually transpired well, it says, no, it's st- talking about, it It goes on to a whole bunch of different ones now. I kind of wanted to talk about specifically um, Vasquez, and they bring his back up towards the end, so. I hate when articles do that. Like, I want you to finish this one story before you, you're not Stephen King here, guys. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you don't need to tell six stories simultaneously. Just tell me the one story about this guy, and then we can talk about the other ones. That's true. I, I found it. It says, when officers make stops based on suspicion rather than in response to a clear safety issue like speeding, motorists notice the difference, according to the drivers and experts interviewed for this story. They may feel they were pulled over for arbitrary reasons while doing nothing wrong, only to be asked a series of questions about their comings and goings. Well, it's obvious that a person would know the difference. I mean, if I get pulled over for doing 60 miles, for doing 60 on my way home, I know I'm getting pulled over for speeding. But if I'm going the speed limit, if I'm not weaving, if I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, if I'm using my turn signals and I get pulled over, 
I'm going to suspect the cop has an ulterior motive. The cop always has the motive of uh, charging you with as many things that they can charge you with. And that's why they ask you the coming and going questions that Mm -hmm. Bonnie just referenced. Where are you going going to tonight, sir? Those are questions you you don't have to answer, right? Certainly, uh, again, we're not attorneys, but as my understanding, uh, you definitely do not have to speak to the police at all during a traffic stop. Now, you You might want to say, I don't answer questions. If I had to make a suggestion of what I might do in that circumstance would be what I would do because there was a Supreme Court ruling several years ago that essentially said that if you don't invoke your right to remain silent, they can somehow use that against you. It was a really confusing ruling, and I can't explain the whatever the stupid legal rationale was behind it. So essentially, even though you have a right to remain silent, you have to invoke it. Otherwise, they consider it to be evidence of guilt of something. It's crazy. And so if you simply say, I don't answer questions, well, that's basically invoking your right to remain silent. And it doesn't give them anything to go off of. They're trying to catch you in a lie. If they say, where are you coming from? Where are you going? And they want you to start talking. And again, yes. the more you're talking to them, the more you are losing. It's, it's the old adage in sales is he who talks the most loses. Uh, and so, you know, the idea as a salesperson is you want the client to do all the talking. You don't want as a salesperson to just bowl a client over with all the f- the product information that you have and show them how knowledgeable you are. No, you want the client to tell you what they want, and then you show them briefly how the product gives them what they want. Well, hey, if you've never done this to a cop, and if the cop has never heard it, they're always going to respond, "Well, what does that mean?" To which you should say. I don't I'm answer not, questions. Yeah, I don't I'm answer not questions. That. That's a question. Don't answer it. Yeah. Well, this guy probably would have benefited from that knowledge. It says, yeah. in a recent interview, Vasquez, the guy from the beginning who got pulled over for going the speed limit behind another car that was going the speed limit and not speeding up to pass. Mm-hmm. When he knew for he had for a breaking cop. to not rear end the guy. Yeah, when he knew he had a cop following him. It said, he said there was plenty of space between him and the next vehicle when Ortega pulled him over. Vasquez, then 29, had a small amount of marijuana, which New Hampshire had decriminalized a year earlier. Ortega stated that he could smell it. (laughs) He then asked Vasquez a series of questions about his trip. Vasquez said he was driving to Manchester to visit his brother. Ortega asked for his brother's name and inquired about their plans. Wow. None of his business. (laughs) None. Yeah, the, the, none of that is that. That's that is the police officer doing what they call an investigation. Yep. yep. It says in a report, Ortega wrote that he asked Vasquez's uh, brother's name because the last name sounded familiar to him. Yes, his, that's not Hispanic, a very as yeah. Ian said, driving while Hispanic, and also just an extremely common last name. Ortega but, also sounds Hispanic, by the way. The the cop's name. That's true. For what it's worth. While running Vasquez's license, Ortega took the extra step of Googling his brother, having Good previously Lord. heard of someone by that name being involved in drug activity. Ortega asked Vasquez to step out of the car, and according to Vasquez, patted, oh, patted him asked. down. He just asked him he, to step out of the car. He probably did. With his hand on his gun. <laughs> they, yes. Yeah. But these, it, these guys don't ever ask. And if you're ever confused about what a cop is, quote-unquote, asking you to do, you can ask them a question, too, right? Yes. Like, Are even, you asking or ordering yes. me out of the vehicle? Yep, that's the question. And that will make it clear, because then they will say, I'm ordering you. And then you can, okay, fine. Now you're going to kill me if I don't do... Because yeah. if you're just asking, then I can say no. <laughs> yeah. And they don't like that, but no, hey... No, they don't. You know, if they're asking you, then they need you to do them a favor, because, right. like... 
can we search your vehicle? That's very different from, oh, we have probable right. calls and we're going to search your vehicle. They need your permission if they don't have probable calls. Remember, the way they are trained, I, I'm, I'm sure they're trained to say it this way. They will not say, can we search your vehicle? They will say, I'm going to have to ask to search your vehicle while holding really? their hand over their okay. gun. And so, I'm gonna have to. That's what you hear first. Yeah. Ask to. So it I'm gonna have like a, to say no. Right. <laughs> it sounds like an order. Right. The way it's phrased, it doesn't. It's not a question. Yeah. Even though they're saying they're asking, but they say they have to. And the reason they say well, then ask, officer. Well, right. The reason they say they have to ask is because they don't have probable cause. So therefore, in order to search your vehicle. They have to get your consent. That's why they're saying that. I don't think an officer has ever said that to me. You know, many, many years ago that it would have been foreign to me to to want to get pulled over to experience mm-hmm. this kind of nonsense. Yeah. But, man, I wish at this point in my life I would have a cop say something like, I'm going to have to ask to search your vehicle. It's never happened to me in New Hampshire either. <laughs> no, that, and I suspect I won't ever get it here either. Yeah. I feel like they don't want to pull us over or something because we have all the, this like free talk live. I'm Aria DeMezzo and stuff on the back of our cars. So I've just never been pulled over here. Wow. I, I, I tend to think, oh, the over. bumper stickers help. Have you been pulled over recently, though? Not in a while. I tend to think all of the Liberty b- bumper stickers, I mean, we're known among at least the King PD and the local oh, yeah. states. Well, at least give them a harder time than like a college kid. They'll be like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll step out. They're bullies. They want an easy mark. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you're invited to join us at 603-283-6160. If you want to share your stories about experiences dealing with cops or whatever else you want to talk about, 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And I know one of the things that cop blocking used to do was like training people on how to interact with cops. Because as we were talking about during one of the breaks, it may have been the most recent one, it takes a bit of practice to, I mean, it's human nature when someone asks you a question to answer that question. Sure. To, to just assume they're being friendly. And when you add in the element of this person's an authority figure, and you know, most Americans, they believe cops are good, upstanding, trustworthy people. He's not investigating me. He's just, he's just looking out for my best interests or whatever it is that people happen to believe. It just gets more and more complicated, but it, it is important to go through some sort of, I don't know if you need to go through any sort of training, but practice this. Practice saying no or practice saying that you don't you, you want to be careful about saying no to police officers when they tell you to do things but practice saying that you don't answer questions that way you don't end up out there never having encountered this before and you know learn your rights because you're not required to answer almost anything that they ask of you yeah believe it or not you actually still have rights but you do have to know what they are and yeah. you do have to be willing to actually assert them in order for your rights to have any chance of being respected. Because if you don't know your, you know, if you don't assert your rights, the police will presume you don't know them and they will walk all over you. Absolutely. And I've seen it happen so many times. And it is so sad when so many people could have avoided a criminal charge. Again, we're not talk- when I say criminal charge, I don't mean for doing something wrong or harming someone. I mean catching a quote-unquote criminal charge for a victimless crime, which is 99% of what cops on the beat do. 
Yeah, I don't know anyone who ever was pulled over for a traffic offense and then was charged with a victimed crime. Nope. I can't think of a single example of that happening. Not unless they were a wanted murderer or something like that. Or a hit and run person. But we're joined now by Major Payne calling from Michigan. Major, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I heard you guys beat me in, but you kept on yapping. Um, Yeah, so anyway, we do that. It was about, about, uh, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. I, uh, I've always drove old pickup trucks, okay, since I've been up here anyway. Mm-hmm. And they have a groove they fall into at about 60, 62 miles an hour. So when the speed limit was 55, I do 60, 62. Mm-hmm. When they changed it to 65, I still did 60, 62. Sure. So anyway, one day I'm coming home, a long, straight stretch county highway, and these three great big trucks with big fancy fishing boats behind them must have been the end of the brown trout or maybe one of the walleye festivals. They all come flying by me. There's a section about a mile and a half long. It's two lanes. They all come flying by me in the passing lane doing about 85. Okay. And so then a cop creeps up behind me and pulls me over. And I'm <laughs> putting along at three miles an hour under the speed limit. Wow. And did they pull you over for driving under the speed limit? No, three miles an hour under the speed limit. What was his reason? I think you're allowed to do like 45 on that Yeah, road. yeah, what, but what would he say is why he pulled you over? Well, that's exactly, that's the point I'll get to. He didn't have no point. Hmm. So, uh, <laughs> and I rolled down the window, and I asked him, I said, why'd you pull me over? And he just kind of looked at me stupid, and I says, Three guys just went by me doing better than 85 miles an hour. And they all had $100,000 rigs. You think maybe you could have made some money there, buddy? (laughs) He just looked at me dumbfounded, right? Well, I don't know how many old hoopties you've owned, but this rig had a, a crack running right down from where the mirror was. Before I got it, somebody obviously hit the brakes and somebody took the the rear view mirror out with their head mm. and that caused fracture crack that ran straight down. Right. Okay. Straight as a mullion on like a 38 Ford or whatever. So as, as, absolutely no visual, visual impairment. Mm-hmm. Right. So he says, well, what about that cracked windshield? Wow. So he didn't and see that before, he, before he pil- pulled you over, obviously, unless he was in front of you. No, he couldn't have seen it. Yeah. Even if the sun had just right. I mean, I had a topper on the back of the truck hmm. There's no way. No way he could have seen it. But, uh, so anyway, I said, so let me get this straight. You're going to make me put a $500 window in a $600 truck. <laughs> oh, man. That is what they want, man. I got pulled over once in Mississippi for having a windshield that had too many cracks in it. Even though it had, it was within inspection, it had been mm. inspected, and it was totally fine. The The state troopers, on his, own, on his own authority, had decided that, no, that windshield is too cracked. For my liking. Well, no, it, it, it gets even better. And then he says, well, I got to write you up for something. Huh? Oh <laughs> got to justify what he did. Uh, see, this is why dash cams are so wonderful. Yeah. This, this rig's a little loud, isn't it? And he says, all right, I'll tell you what. I want you to put a new exhaust system on it. And I want it <laughs> up over the axle and all the way out the back. You know? Like, he's, he's going to tell me I got to put on, uh, go, go, go to the dealership and get, Brand new dual exhaust all the <laughs> way up and over and everything else. When you, everybody knows you can just put on a short muffler and a dump and you're fine. Did he end up writing you a you ticket? 
Uh, yeah, he ended up writing me a fix and repair, and uh-huh. I drove into the parking lot of the trooper's office, and I fired up, and I room room, and she wasn't loud at all. He was just blowing smoke out my ass. Damn. Man, that's yeah. tragic to hear. You haven't been pulled over since. That was the last time you've been pulled over? Uh, well, no. The last time I got pulled over, they broke two of my short ribs and left me sitting in a pile on my own blood. And I knew the ambulance driver, and I looked at him, and there was like 10 troopers standing around. I says, Mike, you know damn well I didn't deserve this. And then I got in a conversation with a couple of cops. They sent me to the hospital because they tore me up. Well, I got they, had, they sent a couple young troopers to babysit me, and I got talking to them. And I says, boys, you know, you really got to watch out because if, if, if you let hate and... Uh, I says, you got to deal with the dregs of society, I think is how I opened it. Mm-hmm. And I says, when you got to deal with people like that all day, it's going to darken your soul. And if you let that get the better of you, you've lost the battle, dude, and so have we. Mm-hmm. And I have been effed with since. That's a good way to look at it. I, I appreciate I gotta, that you I, stayed. I appreciated that, that you stayed positive during that. You know, so many people would want to. It's hard to do. Yeah, would want to blame the cops. Like, dude, you guys just put me in the hospital, but you were like, guys, look, um, you know, you, you, I understand you have to deal with you know hateful people who may want to kill you all day every day. And I, I don't. I, I suspect they probably really Not don't deal North with Michigan. that. But you know that that's the myth that's perpetrated. Yeah, and I understand you know, but you guys, you have to find productive ways of dealing with this meditate or something like that or as you put it they've already lost the war hmm. excellent sentiment thank you so much for the call tonight major it's it's sad what policing actually is and we talked about one of these stories from the um the 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 police chief you the police the union yes the rapist that's a much easier way to characterize rapist. him who one of his victims said something to the effect of you know you were supposed to protect us mm-hmm. or something like that or so much for the police being there to protect right. to protect us the police, again, it's worth saying, have absolutely no obligation to protect anyone. Nope. They're the lowest level of enforcers for the state. They're tax collectors. They're revenue collectors. They're the guys out there who are saying, oh, your registration's out of date. Well, you didn't give the mafia Don his dues. Well, now you have to not just pay those dues that you were supposed to pay, but you have to pay these additional fees on top of it, just like the mafia. That's exactly what they do. Oh, well, you didn't pay your loan, your loan on time, so now you have to pay that and an extra three times the amount. That's what it is. Your registration's one hundred fifty dollars, mm-hmm. but now you're driving without a registration ticket. Well, in that's four hundred dollars. In case it wasn't clear already, they're obviously not serving you, and they're not protecting you. Yeah, the, the, just because the side of their cruisers say "serve and protect," it, they don't say "serve and protect people" or "the people." Or no, it begs the question of what it is that they are actually protecting and serving. It is clearly not you, because why would you, if they're your so-called servant, why would you hire a servant to abuse you? Mm. Why would you hire a servant to threaten you, to extract more wealth from you than you otherwise were already paying them? That is not a servant, and by why definition. And why can't you fire them? Because they're not your servant. That is a tyrant. You're absolutely right. That's th- those are They're serving someone. It just isn't you. Those are actions typical of the mafia. Ultimately, they're serving their mafia bosses. That's exactly what they're doing, and they're very good at it. And I think the more people who realize this, the better off we'll all be. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up here, including the supply disruptions and how that may be caused by companies laying off people for smoking pot. It is 
is Free Talk Live, and we invite you to join us, 603-283-6160. If you would like to weigh in about your experiences dealing with cops or whatever else you want to talk about, maybe you bought an NFT and you regret it. I happen, We were talking about that earlier, and the best, well, the worst one of these that I've seen was the guy who bought the, the very first tweet ever from Jack Dorsey for like, I don't remember the amount now, but the highest bid. It was like two-something million. The highest bid on it that he got in a recent auction was two hundred and eighty-five dollars. I thought it was fourteen thousand, but either way, it was the article I had said two hundred. I, I assume wow. there were multiple uh, auctions, and that the most okay. recent one was even worse. Damn, at two hundred and eighty-five dollars. So was the he was like, bid. "No, I'm not going to accept fourteen thousand dollars. Right. I paid millions of dollars for this." Yeah. And then his next one. He he retried it and only got two hundred something. That's that's my understanding. Just based wow. on the fact that the last time we talked about it, he was offered fourteen thousand. Yeah, mm. and, and assuming no. yeah, and assuming this article fact checked and was correct, they cited two hundred and eighty five dollars. So the NFT market has certainly took a. It certainly did, you know, pretty much exactly what we expected it to do here on Free Talk Live. Fell off a cliff. Yeah, as did a lot of. A lot of these uh, cryptocurrencies or these tokens or whatever that that had really bad ideas or were poorly implemented or were just pump and dump schemes or whatever. I think the only one that you know just sort of collapsed that I know wasn't a pump and dump scheme would have been Terra, and that just had some sort of issue with this algorithm. I don't know what that issue was. I'm not a programmer. I'm not able to analyze the code to find out exactly what went wrong, but that wasn't intentional. It wasn't a pump and dump scheme or anything like that. It was just. Their algorithm was flawed. There's a theory that there was some sort of action on a hostile actor's part that kicked off that whole, okay, f- that terrible fall from uh, from grace that uh, Terra had. For listeners that don't know, Terra was an algorithmic stablecoin, and stablecoins are supposed to be cryptocurrency tokens that are backed by something, so that therefore they will never go below the value of the thing that they're backed by. Right. And so the most common form of stablecoin is a dollar-backed stablecoin or some other fiat currency-backed stablecoin. But there's gold-backed stablecoins and others. And so what Terra was trying to do was create a stablecoin that didn't actually have a dollar sitting in a bank vault backing it. That it was backed by another cryptocurrency's value. And ultimately what happened was somebody made some huge sale and and dropped the price a little bit. And the market just freaked out, basically. I mean, I'm summarizing what happened over right. a period of days. It was just this crazy, dramatic it was, situation. It, Terra went from like $185 per to... To, to a fraction of a cent. Yeah. It, 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 in days. And uh, it was amazing to watch this happen. And ultimately, nothing the market or nothing the algorithm I don't think could have done could have... Uh, could have saved it because the market was acting entirely irrationally, ah. which markets tend to do. Uh, people were in the mindset of get out, get out now. And so they did and sold that thing down to nothing, basically. People do act irrationally. And that's one of the frustrating things I'm seeing right now. Like if, if you follow the Drudge Report or just any mainstream media, they all talk about how strong the U.S. dollar is and how great it's mm. doing. Meanwhile, everything else is down because the reality yeah. is that... The reason the that dollar didn't help either. It was a bear. It's a bear market, and yeah. they just couldn't. But the pull reason it the out. dollar is up is because people are making irrational decisions. We talked about this at the very beginning of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Well, the dollar's not up compared to the ruble. The ruble's doing no. better now compared to the dollar than it was before the invasion. 
Absolutely. But the dollar is only going to be going down. And I, I don't remember what talking had said. It was one of these economists. He pointed out, you know, you never want to hold dollars during a war. You never want to have currency during a war. That's absolutely right. It's still true, but people are freaking out. You know, they, they see prices going up on everything. They see gas prices going up and they see the supply chain shortages. So they are. Oh, they, I need to sell off all of these all of these investments that might lose me money and I need to pull it all into the into USD so I'm not they're they're minimizing what they perceive to be their risk based on irrational decisions and mm-hmm. unfortunately in these circumstances the USD is the biggest risk in in the market yeah, it's really sad what happened with Terra because, of course, the regulators are going to point to that and they're going to say, see, see, this is why we need to regulate stable coins. We need As to if reg- they could have stopped that right. with their regulations. Well, that happened to UST. U.S. dollar tether and die and these other tethers are doing just fine. So far. It was just uh, this one algorithmic stable coin well, that that's lost the question, its value. Is, uh, is it possible to have an algorithmic stable coin? Because I hope that it is, but this is obviously a big down, you know, downturn as far as interest. I'm not sure we want one. I mean, the value of the stablecoin problem- appears to be more or less to just allow. I'm not sure what value it has in the long term. I mean, it's for traders number one because it allows right. someone to sell a bitcoin at the top, what they consider to be the top. Obviously, you never know what the top's going to be, but you know, you pick a point and say, okay, I think Bitcoin's going to go down in the future. You sell the Bitcoin on an exchange for a stable coin, you get the dollar value out of it. You sit that dollar on the, you keep the dollars on the exchange, and then you wait for the Bitcoin price to go down, and you buy it again at a lower price with those stable coins, giving you a quote unquote, you know, technical profit. But they could easily do this that. to like sell the Bitcoin for Litecoin or something like that. Yeah, yeah but, but then Litecoin will also go down. It all goes down when Bitcoin goes down. And I did this years ago. It it proved to be too much of a hassle and it wasn't worth it. But flipping back and forth between Ethereum and Litecoin, you you could track the ratio between the two and verify when it was profitable to flip all of it it's into Litecoin. Hard. It's too hard to do that. It I mean, was a pain. Traders, Sounds horrible, but, but it works. I've lot. never done any trading, so... Yeah, it's it's hard to win on trading because you obviously can't predict the future. I mean, well, all the statistics and the, the numbers and the charts... That you still don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or in the next uh, five or ten right. minutes. But the reason for stablecoins, there's another um, good reason for them, is it allows people to access the dollar. Even though we understand the dollar is bad, uh, it allows people with less stable currencies to, let's say, like in Venezuela, to access the dollar uh, without having to actually get the dollar. And and so there's a lot of reasons why they exist, but the primary one is for trading purposes online. You you can sell a Bitcoin and get a dollar value out of it without actually taking dollars, which, as I understand it, is not a taxable event. Right. Whereas if you sold Bitcoin for actual dollars, then that technically, as I understand it, is a taxable event for those that are you know into that sort of thing. And it, so it's all very confusing. Yeah. So if you get just tokens, you're just getting a token. And of course, as we saw with uh, with the Terra UST, that token can go to zero. And the thing is, it can did go to, UST actually go to zero? It, it's at like nine cents today. Okay, but it's been down as low as five cents. Well, it's not a so dollar. It's, it's virtually it's close enough uh, to zero. And and Luna itself is not at zero. It's just at a fraction of a fraction of a penny right now. And there's now seven trillion of. Well, them. I guess when I say did it go to zero or however I phrase it, did it go below a penny? Is what I guess I meant. Not yet. Okay. I saw. That there was a new uh, craze that happened in the crypto world and people immediately lost money on it called, it was a token called Monkeypox Inu. Yep, I heard about that one. 
Yeah, I monkey got pumped pox, and dumped. Inu, like Some, Shiba Inu. Yeah, somebody pumped up a token called Monkeypox. Of course, Monkey pox was, Inu. Of course, it was a pump and dump scheme. How did anyone fall for it? <laughs> somebody did. It's Monkeypox Inu. Did Come they walk on, away guys. with like four hundred million dollars or something like that off of that I one? I don't know. <sighs> and this isn't cryptocurrency's fault. This is the fault of stupid, reckless people. I, I, I you, the, regulators can't fix that. Nope. You, you can't put enough labels on the toaster to keep people from taking baths with them. <laughs> 603-283-6160. If you want to talk about the ongoing supply chain issues that we're about to get into, 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk. Live with Aria, Bonnie, and Ian, 603-283-6160. If you want to join us, that's 603-283-6160. We've been talking about police brutality here. Well, we started off talking about NFTs and just how spectacularly badly that whole thing has gone. And I don't particularly like saying I told you so because it has so many negative connotations to it. But on this one, man... Anyone who was paying and listening in the cryptocurrency sphere, I, I hope you listened and you stayed away from NFTs. Uh, but we know people didn't. They they got they bought the band, they jumped on the bandwagon, they bought into the hype, and they lost money. I'm constantly seeing memes about people who you know lost billions and now they have to go work at McDonald's or whatever. It's sad hmm. to think about that that reality existing for people. But, you know, it's like someone else said on Facebook, it's almost like if you, if you look at the values of Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, Monero, all of these other, you know, popular cryptocurrencies, they're down, but they're down in more or less the same way that stocks like Netflix and Google or Alphabet and all of these others are down. They're down, you know, 40, 50 percent or whatever, because everything is down right now. And cryptocurrency is no exception, exception to that. Mm-hmm. However, it is almost like there's a difference between an actual cryptocurrency and a pump and dump scheme or a scam. And too many of these were scams and a lot of people lost a lot of money and that's tragic. But hopefully next time people will be less likely to jump into the to jump into the hype and make risky, stupid decisions. But well, I mean, the risk is sort of the order of the day if you're going to be getting into newfangled technology that i mean risk is just you're playing that game there's nothing wrong with with taking risk but just understand the risk that you're taking understand that there are no guarantees if you buy board ape number xy321 and then uh you know hope that it's going to go up in price listen just understand there's no guarantee that it's going to go up in price I guess the sad part of it isn't necessarily the risk, because obviously the, there's risk involved. It's that they took the risk on and then invested their entire life into that risk turning out well, and they didn't cash out part of it in advance or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They just you know, were waiting for an even bigger payoff, as people tend to do. Oh, I'm not selling Bitcoin. It's only 50000 I'm waiting for $5 million or whatever. Well, there may not have been a chance to cash out uh, any profit from these things, because... A lot of them were pumped up to begin with. So when you, when you came and bought this thing, it may have already been artificially inflated as far as its price is concerned. They call it, I think they call it wash trading, where essentially the same person who's selling it fake buys it 
Yeah, that's, that's happening badly in the retro video game market right now. Yeah, so they fake pump the price up by making it look like somebody's buying it. And to the average person who doesn't know how to trace purchases on the blockchain, you don't know it all came from the same wallet. Uh, so they just make it look like the price has gone up when, in fact, it was the same person all along selling and reselling to themselves. And then they finally find a sucker to come in and take it at the quote-unquote top. Yeah. And then when that guy says, all right, I'm ready to sell, even if it was a week later, he would have gotten a fraction of uh, of the price for it because he didn't actually pay a true market rate. He just pay- paid the sucker's rate. The video game thing is something I really wish I could find a succinct article about, but it, it's so involved. But you'll see it all the, all, all over. You know, the, the, uh, Google News or Drudge Report, they'll run an article about, oh, the, look, this copy of The Legend of Zelda or whatever. It, it, it sold for $750,000 or whatever. Ask yourself Insane. one simple question. What video game collector out there has $750,000 to spend on a regular Nintendo NES game? An insanely wealthy one. <laughs> well, there, there isn't one. If you, if you trace all There's of these somebody things... somebody like No, that. no, there isn't. No? If you trace all of these things back, it's one auction house running all of these auctions, mm-hmm. heritage auctions, and all of these games that they're selling are rated by WADA Games, which mm-hmm. is this new... It's not the... It's the new standard, but they came around uh, that like 2018 or something like that. They and, do grading for games. Yes, and the one of the the owners of Wada Games is a board member for Heritage Auctions. Mm, I've mm. heard about this. Yeah, yeah. it's so, a it's a complete mess of you know people scratching each other's backs. And if you look into it, there's a lot of this where it, the video games are partially owned in the same way that Robin Hood, if you couldn't buy an entire stock, you could put mm. like $10 into Fractional it. Fractional ownership. Yes. A lot of these games are being sold to these that sorts of so conglomerates. Well, what or would be, it's just the owner of the game selling it to themselves. What would be the point of that? Like, what? Who benefits from them pretending that it sold for more than it really was worth? Well, the person who the same people who have the who benefit from the pump and dump schemes in cryptocurrency. They'll right? sell it to someone else yeah, after. It, if I can get someone to believe that the value of this game is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, you know, because look, it sold here for this. Okay, well mm. I'll I'll offer it to you at a discount. I'll give it to you for five hundred thousand dollars because look, you can get this guaranteed profit off of it. You could turn around and flip it for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow. And you make, you know, five hundred thousand dollars off them, then they're left sitting there with this game that they're never going to be able to sell. Because your average video game collector, your average person out there actually passionate about video games is not going to drop three quarter of a million dollars on a video game. Mm. It's just not going to happen. So, it's crazy. But I can't find any art. I've seen videos about this because mm-hmm. it, video game people on YouTube are constantly talking about it. It's a fascinating topic. but And it's exactly the same sort of pump and dump scheme that we've seen. But it's so hard to summarize because it runs so deep. One of the t- uh, the tough things when you're dealing with video games, unlike NFTs, I mean, I don't, I don't want to defend NFTs here or anything like that. But at least with an NFT, in theory you can identify the thing as the original, right? Uh, Whereas with a cartridge, a video game cartridge, one of the things they have in that industry is constant issues with uh, with counterfeit cartridges. Well, that was supposed to be what, you know, the point of having it rated by these companies like WADA Games and stuff like that are supposed to do. Now, I can't remember WADA Games' primary competitor, the one that you can actually trust. But still, it is a problem because those do exist. And you can go on... Uh, sites like Alibaba or AliExpress, and you can purchase counterfeit versions of these games that presumably play 
Like you put it into the the machine or whatever, it's going to play like the game. It just wasn't the quote unquote original print, and so therefore it isn't worth what the original print is worth. But if no one knows, then they'll sell it at a uh, inflated price. I don't like the scam aspect of it, but if I could buy a you know the original Zelda, right, mm-hmm. the original video game, but it it was made in two thousand twenty one or whatever, and it's yeah, who cares? It's a dollar instead yeah. of you know three hundred thousand dollars or whatever, thirty thousand well, dollars. Probably be fifty bucks or. So. Something like you probably yeah. you'll pay a normal price sure. for it, but but I would absolutely prefer that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, but I would also prefer to just download it or you know rip it into a ROM myself because piracy is bad. Well, I just found out that my Mar- Mario and Luigi Partners in Time doesn't work anymore that I've had since I was eleven. So it's really shocking that it doesn't work anymore. But if I could find it that actually goes into my DS so I could play it on Alibaba, I'd probably do that. Right. I think that's the difference. But this is to come back around to NFTs. This is why we don't understand the appeal of the NFT, but so many people are into it because of that collector's mentality of, oh, I have to have the original. Mm-hmm. To us, it doesn't matter. To us, like, does it play like the original? Does it look <laughs> right. like it? Is, it? is it pretty much an identical copy? Okay, fine. We just want to have fun. But the, this person wants to have a thing. And it's a collector's mentality that. To me, I've left stuff like that behind many, many years ago, but there's a lot of people who are absolutely obsessed with being, like we were saying before, the owner of the Mona Lisa. To them, a copy that looks identical is not good enough. They have to have the original, and they're willing to pay for that because it means something to them. I don't understand that mentality. I have a friend who's like that who's always giving me crap about how I prefer to just emulate games instead of, you know, buying the original hardware or whatever. He's and like paying way too much. Yeah, he's like the emulation isn't isn't 100% accurate. I'm like I I Is it 99.8%? Okay, <laughs> fine. I'm never going to notice that difference and if you're honest with yourself, dude, neither are you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It reminds me of when I was playing Resident Evil 3 um, on PC, and it frustrated me because I couldn't play it in 4K but, and stream it, even though I couldn't visually tell any difference between 4K and 1080. It just bugged me knowing that it wasn't in 4K. It's that sort of thing. It's like, they know there's a difference intellectually, but they can't spot it. Like, tell me how it's inaccurate, please, by all means. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up here in the 603-283-6160. Hopefully we're going to talk about these supply chain disruptions and these pot-smoking drivers. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you're invited to join us online social.freetalklive.com that's our social media server you can join us there it is a mastodon server it's very much like twitter except you don't have to worry about pleasing your corporate overlords in this case we're the corporate overlords that you have to worry about pleasing and we don't really care we're not a corporation (laughs) no obviously social.freetalklive.com if you want to sign up for it. it is free but i want to say thank you to farmer garrick who is tonight's amplifier that's that means that Farmer Garrick is a member of the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. That's the best way to show your support for Free Talk Live. So if you want to help advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live, this is the best way to do it. It only takes five bucks per month. That gets you in. It does come with a number of cool little features like an AMP-only podcast. There's an AMP-only Facebook group, an AMP-only chat room on the matrix server i believe which you can find at chat.freetalklive.com but really the reason you should join the amps program is because you value the ideas of liberty reaching a larger audience and you want to just show your support amps.freetalklive.com that's the best way to do that 
Again, that's amps.freetalklive.com. Farmer Garrick, thank you so much for your contributions. We have David on the line from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I want to uh, make you aware of a guy named Kurt Reagan, who's a self-taught uh, uh, attorney, so to speak, uh, fighting the fighting the man. But uh, I, I solved the uh, the wind, cracked windshield problem by uh, driving my truck without a windshield in it, so it can't <laughs> be cracked. So they, they can't pull me over for that. Did that work? Is that legal? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I, I'm just doing it. At least at first glance, it just looks like a non-cracked window. Right, yeah, there's no crack in it. So I've been pulled over. Actually, I went to jail the night a cop pulled me over for a cracked windshield. I ended up in jail, and they did it illegally, and and I, I kind of caught them on it. Uh, for That's a different story for a different night. But uh, but now there's no windshield, so it can't be cracked, so they can't use that BS line on me. And Have I, you and tried I, driving did, it without a windshield? Yeah, I've, dro- I've okay. driven it a bunch of times without the windshield. Is that annoying? And, like, I think that gets so annoying. It's Actually, actually, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's like a convertible, Um, except not. (laughs) Well, even in a convertible, there's still a windshield in front of you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll share a trick with you. If you keep the side windows rolled up, you don't even feel. You can go 75 miles an hour, and you don't even feel the wind because uh, it the it pre- it ram pressurizes the cab because the windows are up and the wind goes right over the top of you so you don't have a windshield and you don't even, you don't even feel it. Wow. But one thing, yeah, the only not- problem is the bugs are going to fly right in right your, your face. Teeth. And if yeah, I, I think David's correct though, and that the the aerodynamics of a vehicle mm-hmm. would cause most of the wind and most of the bugs to just go above the vehicle. No, I think of the bugs will it. go right in your face. What happens, uh, David? The, 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 well, the, the light ones will, will go up a little bit. You can also get a bug deflector and put it on the front end. But the heavy one, you're right, that's called an inertial separator. Um, and the, the, it acts as an inertial separator. So the, the air goes over the top, but the bugs get separated from the air and go right into your face. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so would any, like, spare uh, stones or whatever, little little rocks from the road that get kicked yeah, up by another I'm always car. getting hit by rocks if, like, a big truck passes. Especially me. if you're behind a big dump truck or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty dangerous. Yeah, that's why. So you deal, you deal with all the same things that motorcyclists do. Yeah, so yeah, you need true. eye protection. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And and I did want to get get, re- get revenge on the cops. I once uh, was right on the ass of a cop going down the interstate at 100 miles an hour. Why? Because he couldn't pull him over. Because then he was going, he was speeding too, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, actually, we we were uh, we we were going somewhere. I was I was his guest, and and I was driving behind him at 100 miles an hour. Fun. Cool. Thank you so much for the call tonight, David. I would not recommend people removing their windshields as a solution to this cracked windshield problem. I think that, you know, as long as you cops should just be reasonable about this and the state should be reasonable about this. Well, really, there shouldn't be any laws on the books at all. But however, if they're going to be, then they should be reasonable. Can you reasonably see out of this vehicle or is it so shattered that you can't see out of it? Which is, okay, yeah, sure. This vehicle is not safe to drive. One time my dad had a falcon that cracked his windshield so bad he had to go get it removed. It was a huge bird. Imagine that slapping your face while you're driving. Yeah, I don't want to. But we also have Jack on the line from Ocean Shores. Jack, you're on Free Talk Live. 
Yeah, I just want to say I laughed my butt off uh, when, with that call, David, where Aria's like, yeah, I could kind of see how it could pressurize. And then uh, Ian's like, oh, no, blow <laughs> right in your face. I mean, I laughed my butt off. Well, according to uh, windowtintlaws.us, it is not necessarily yeah. illegal to operate a vehicle without a windshield in Texas or California. Don't know about the other 48 states. <laughs> but if you do not have a front window, you are required at least in California to wear eye protection. And that's technically, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest here. It's a good idea. If you get pulled over in Texas for not having a windshield, that cop's not going to know that it's technically legal. Mm. That's true, because I've never seen it in my life. I think they probably would know whether or not it's it's legal. I don't think most cops know the law. I think they would just assume, oh, that can, you can't drive without a windshield. Mm. I think that... It would be crazy to just wear eye protection because what if a rock comes and hits you right in the Could mouth you in and the head, knocks your sir. teeth out or, yeah. yeah, hits you in the head? I guess it's, it depends on how fast you're It's a highly risky maneuver. It is. So is that what you're calling about tonight, Jack? Well, no, I ended with this. I was actually calling earlier. I had questions about the uh, uh, NTC or whatever those coins are. NFT. But, yeah, but I, then I was going to think... I. Crypto conversation. I think that David has been on the wrong end of the pump and dump crypto talk. And um, I don't know. That was supposed to be a joke. Pump and dump. Okay. So Remember? you just called to make jokes at David's expense. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for the call sure. tonight, Jack. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know what is legal. I've never encountered a cop. Like, when, when I was running for sheriff, I got exterior LEDs on my car and I looked into the law to make sure that it was actually legal because I've heard all sorts of stories about people here in New Hampshire, people here in Keene, getting pulled over for having exterior lights. And I, I learned... Can't be red, can't be blue, mm. can't be... Amber. Amber, okay. And that doesn't leave you a whole lot of it, colors. It really doesn't. What the heck? Why can't it be amber? Like, That's because for tow trucks. Tow uh, trucks and... Um, other construction yeah. okay. kind of vehicles. However, it leaves green and purple. That's right. Totally fine. But That's, that's about it. Yeah, but... Th- that's if you don't run into a colorblind cop, first of all. And I don't know how that would work mm. in a courtroom. But What about white? Or you yellow. White? I don't think white's illegal. You can't do yeah. yellow. I looked into this yeah, uh, also temper. because my ex had these on the bottom of his car. And because he was illegal, I was like, you don't want to do that. You're going to get pulled over for no reason and um, like get deported. And I looked into it and he was always saying... I can use the light blue because it's not the color of a cop's car. I was like, "You're that's still <laughs> going to be an excuse for them. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I just ran with alternating between green and purple. And I would still do it to this day if it was badly designed and that the machine, the component that controls it sits right there in your hood. So it, it, it obviously overheated. It failed. Yeah, and mm. failed. And it started throwing out red lights. <gasps> and oh, gosh. Luck- oh my God. Luckily, I caught it. But... It, it was just cheap Chinese crap anyway. Yeah. So yep. it was like to make it green and purple, I had to select red and yellow in the app huh. or something like that. It, it was all very confusing. Very, it was You get what you pay for, sure. right? But I mean, it worked for a time and I never got pulled over, unfortunately. And of course, I was running for sheriff at the time. But <laughs> I remember going around putting out signs here in Cheshire County, you know. With with these exterior lights on, and here there there's state troopers sitting there talking to each other. I drive by them just slowly, trying to get their attention. I do it again, and they no. They, were yours under the like where the wheels are? Yes. Okay, that's where my well, exes were too. But his box that controlled it uh, sat in the back towards the back uh, wheels, and eventually started dragging. And I guess he didn't notice and broke them, so that yeah. was good. 
Well, presumably, I mean, we could have wired it up in a way that didn't do that, but we went mm. for the cheap, expedient, easy yep. solution. I mean, it had to be right there by the battery, but, you know, we could have wired something up, but mm. we just didn't. And now, you know, if I wanted to replace it, all of the machinery is there for me to do it quickly and easily because I, I spent more getting them installed than I did on the actual LEDs <laughs> themselves. But, you know... The benefit of that is that now if I wanted to, and I don't particularly care to anymore because I'm not running for sheriff, so mm-hmm. it's not as funny for me to get pulled over for it and have to school the cops on what the laws are. It still <laughs> looked cool. It did look cool. Yeah. And it is summertime, so I don't know. It may if be you, worth revisiting. If you got pulled over for it and then they, it was purple and they weren't really supposed to pull you over for it, you could have said to them, like, when I'm you guys as sheriff, <laughs> I'm going to have to be teaching you guys the laws better. <laughs> Well, I mean, they could have spent all of their downtime when they weren't out there harassing people, peaceful people to sit there reading about the laws if I had been sheriff. Hmm. But no, it never happened. And now I see a separate... I'm not saying that other people are like, hey, look, LEDs are legal, but I have seen other vehicles here in Cheshire County go using exterior LEDs. And sure enough, they're always green or purple. So other people are out there researching this and learning what they can and can't do. Hmm. Evidently in New Hampshire... Laser and radar jammers are legal. Now, I know detectors are legal in most states, but in New Hampshire and Vermont, jammers jam are it? as well. That's yes. awesome. But I can't, <laughs> I can't find one online, though. <laughs> and I want one so badly. That's awesome. Well, we're out of time for the night. You can join us in the meantime on our chat server. That's chat.freetalklive.com. If you want to chat with some of the co-hosts, most of us, a lot of us are there. That's chat.freetalklive.com. See you tomorrow. Insight Daily Radio. Conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators. Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture since the 1970s with more than 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program. And he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book and the creative journey that continues to bring Lake Wobegon to life. It's comedy, really, and comedy is a rewarding a pursuit. My wife said to me the other day, she said, I love you because you make me laugh. Well, there it is. There it is in one sentence. I love you because you make me laugh. And, uh, and I certainly do. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, has just been released and is now available wherever books are sold. See Garrison Keillor live on stage May 2nd at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Keillor will be joined by iconic artists including country music star Brad Paisley, soprano Ellie Dean, Elvin Bishop's Big Fun Trio, vocalist Heather Massey, and many more. Enjoy a live show filled with Lake Wobegon stories, humor, music, and audience sing-alongs. Red Rocks Amphitheater, May 2nd. Reserve your seat today.